everybody, and welcome to Pop Culture Over Pizza. This is the podcast where we talk about anything pop culture related while we're stuffing our faces full of pizza. Yeah, that's right. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Anyway, my name is Walt. I'm your host today, and this Quick Slice episode is about, if you haven't guessed it already, it is about season eight of Game of Thrones. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Pop Culture Over Pizza podcast. This is what we like to call a quick slice episode, so our normal contingent of hosts are not with us here today. This one's going to be a little bit more intimate. I would say a little bit more of a personal type of episode, but I am glad to be on this journey with you guys. Um, We're going to be talking about Game of Thrones Season 8. We've got a lot to get into, a lot to cover, and we're going to get into all of that. But first, let me just remind you to subscribe to the Pop Culture Over Pizza podcast by searching for that in the iPhone podcast app, as well as any of the other major platforms you use to listen to your podcast. And please, as always, remember to rate and review the show. So I got to apologize ahead of time because we haven't made Game of Thrones more of a, of a thing in our main podcast. And I'm going to tell you part of the reason why is because some of our cast members haven't caught up to Game of Thrones, so it'll be a little bit spoilery for them. And so, um, you know, it's it's hard to talk about Game of Thrones without spoiling stuff, right? I mean, so much stuff happens during Game of Thrones. If you start talking about it, everything else gets blown up if you haven't seen it. So that's part of the reason why we haven't talked about it. But again, I apologize. We should have made more of an effort to talk about it because it is so huge in pop culture, especially now. I mean, we're talking about season seven. The last time we saw an episode from Game of Thrones was back in August 27th of 2017. That's almost a year and a half before we had any Game of Thrones action. And so this season, this season eight, was really, really highly anticipated by a number of people. I mean, this was like, along with Avengers Endgame and the end of Star Wars, this was the big thing for this year, season eight. Um, And it started out with a bang with episode one, and both critics and fans alike have kind of sensed that the, the the preceding episodes after that have kind of gone down in quality. This is easily the lowest rated season of Game of Thrones overall. And we're going to talk a little bit about the problems and some of the stuff that's going on in this season, along with talking about that last episode. That was episode five. That was the one where we finally see the Battle of King's Landing. So in order to properly talk about episode five, I think we have to quickly, quickly just recap uh, one through four of season eight, because a lot of the stuff that happens in those episodes really directly impacts season five, or at least maybe not directly impact, but there are things that happen that it kind of a little bit tries to explain some of the actions taken in episode five. So... Um, without getting into it really, really, you know, in depth right now, let's just go over the episodes real quick. Um, episode one was appropriately titled Winterfell that came out April 14th, which seems like it was forever ago and stuff. And so in that episode, John and Daenerys finally make their way to Winterfell. Um, that's where they learn that the army of dead has breached the wall and, The Night King and his army is on their way to Winterfell. And so uh, a lot of the the episode is Jon trying to help Daenerys um, get a consensus with everybody in the North and saying, hey, listen, we're here to help. We're not here to conquer. That's not what we're doing right now. It's all about taking care of this White Walker threat that's, that's coming down on us really quick. I mean... This has been the basis of Game of Thrones since the beginning, right? The Aside from who's going to sit on the Iron Throne, one of the main topics of Game of Thrones has been the White Walker threat. And it's here and it's now. And so she's trying to get 
along with John, everybody on the same page and saying, hey, we're here to help. We have the dragons. We have the army. We have the Unsullied. Let's get to it. Let's let's prepare. Let's get ready. These guys are coming. They're coming to kill us. That's all they want to do. There is no other ulterior motive, right? So you have all that stuff going on. And Sansa clearly, clearly does not trust Daenerys. I mean, she makes it she makes it clear on no uncertain terms. She even tells John, she was like, you know what? I don't trust her, you know. Um, and John says, well, you know what? I bend to the knee. You have to trust me because I trust her. So you got all that going on. Theon also makes it. So there's there's reunions all over the place in Winterfell, right? And you got the White Walkers bearing down on them. By the way, Jamie Lannister makes it to Winterfell. So like I said, reunions all over the place. The big reveal of that episode is Sam and John in the crypts, and it, it's there where um, John reveals to Sam that Daenerys is the one that killed the Tarleys, his family, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But most importantly, Sam then reveals to John that he is Aegon Targaryen, the king and rightful heir to the Iron Throne. Um, that sets everything in motion going forward. Episode two is called The Night of the Seven Kingdoms. Again, like I said before, Jamie finally reaches Winterfeld. He has his, I don't know, I don't know if you want to call it a reunion, but he he sees Bran Stark for the first time since he basically threw him out the window when um Bran caught him and Cersei doing the nasty and stuff. And so that's this is where you really get to see Bran and and if it wasn't clear before it is now Bran is not Bran anymore he's clearly the three-eyed raven he really he Bran Bran is just like hey dude what's up and Jamie's like listen sorry to push you out and he's like yeah I don't care it doesn't matter so Bran is fully three-eyed raven he he's he's in that mode he's he's got the weird looks and stuff and it's it's created a ton of memes on the internet um, go look it up if you haven't seen any of them. But the big thing is that Jamie goes and reveals to Daenerys that Cersei's not coming. So now, if you remember back in season seven, um, both John and Daenerys had to go and retrieve a White Walker because they went to Cersei and they said, "Listen, the White Walker is coming. The winters are coming. Winter is coming, right?" and we need your help to stop this threat. You know, listen, we're we're enemies, but this is bigger than us. We have to protect Westeros from this threat. And Siri said, "Yeah." Siri said, "Yes." She said, "Yeah, don't worry about it. You know, you got my armies. I, I got you guys. I got you guys." So they left thinking that not only did they have the Unsullied, not only did they have the dragons, not only did they have the North, but they they thought the Southern armies were going to help them also. And, well, Jamie kind of blew that up, which then put Tyrion in a bad light with Cersei, because now you're starting to see the cracks between Tyrion and Cersei. And I'm sorry, not Tyrion and Cersei, Tyrion and Daenerys. You're starting to see the cracks between their relationship, how she's becoming more and more distrustful of her advisors. Um, and it doesn't help that Tyrion is kind of messing up on these things. So, you know, he was fully, he fully thought that Siri was coming and helping. And Jamie just blew that up and said, hey, that was never her intention. Cersei looks at this tactically and says, you know what? At the very least, um, the North defeats the White Walkers, and then I just have to deal with the North. Right, and the North is now diminished because of their battle with the White Walkers. And at the very worst, the White Walkers do prevail, and hopefully, the North trims their numbers a little bit, and then you know I'll take care of it from there. She's she doesn't really truly understand the threat of the White Walkers yet, but that's basically her thinking. And so, episode two was a slower episode than episode one, and. There were some really, really good character moments, especially the ones where they were standing all, you know, in front of the, um, in in front of the the fire and stuff, you know. And they're they're just having, you know, 
the battle of Winterfeld is upon them. And so they're just having these quiet moments amongst them, amongst themselves. And, you know, it's reflection, you know, it's, it's worry about the upcoming battle and stuff like that. And that's where Game of Thrones is really, really good. You know, when you have those little moments where you're getting more out of the characters, unfortunately, that's pretty much the last time that we see that in this season because from there it goes forward and in the eyes of many critics, in the eyes of many fans, um, it actually gets worse. But the end of this episode, we're back in the tombs and we're back and John is standing in front of Lyanna Stark's tomb and Daenerys comes down and, and she sees that he's troubled and she's like, hey, dude, what's up? And that's when the big reveal happens again. So this is the second big reveal um, in two episodes. The first one was John finding out that he's Aegon. The second one is him telling Daenerys he's Aegon. And Daenerys, in typical form, right, because all she's ever been is been focused on gaining the Iron Throne. And mind you, she has the relationship with John now, right? Because they're they're fooling around and stuff like that. And it seems like they're falling in love. And so now her first thought is, so you have a better claim to the throne than I have than I do. And that's gonna again set up what happens in these later episodes because that becomes a, a real point of contention and a real point of friction between the two of them. And John being who John is, you know nothing, John, right? He doesn't think anything of it. He was like, hey, you know what? If anybody finds out, it doesn't matter because you know what? You're my queen. And she rightfully so says, dude, you are absolutely wrong because anybody, I'm not loved here the way I was in, es in es Essos, right? Westeros does not trust me. Westeros doesn't want me as their queen. But you, you're here and you're beloved. What do you think is going to happen when every when you tell everybody you have the right claim to the throne? They're going to push me aside and they're going to say, hey, you should be the king. And she begs him and begs him and says, don't say anybody. That's how we keep our relationship together. Don't say a word to nobody. Let's keep this between us. And John being John, again, he was like, well, I gotta tell my my family at the very least they'll keep it secret and it's not gonna matter and that's how that episode ends so finally we get to the third episode of season eight and it's called the long night and so now i'm going to tell you that this was directed by miguel sapochnik and i hope i said his name right but he seems to be the guy that Game of Thrones uh, relies on when it comes to these big battle episodes. He's done this one. He did the Battle of the Bastards. And he also does episode five, which is the Battle of Winterfell, um, the Battle of King's Landing. So he seems to be the go-to guy in this. And, you know, say what you will, but he really, really nails some of the battle scenes in, in some of this. And especially in, in episode five. Um, there are some beautiful shots. So the issue here is in the direction. Um, and so I'm going to get into th this episode because this episode meant a lot of criticism from everybody because they said it was too damn dark. And case in point, I believe one of the websites, and I can't remember what it is, they actually took night vision um, to try and enhance the some of the shots, and they Still couldn't do it. It was still too damn dark. So there was a lot of a lot of scenery and a lot of action that we probably missed. And if if I'm guessing, I think the director's vision was was to try and invoke a sense of you know what it's it's dark. It's you know there's bump in the shadows that that you hear and you can't see to try and get that sense of the craziness and and the dourness and and you know the improbability of what's going on and so maybe that's what it was but honestly when you're watching the episode there were plenty of times I had to pause and try to fix the brightness on my TV because I thought there was something wrong with my TV um anyway 
you had this was the big buildup. This is the battle for basically, you know, the survival of Westeros. Um, and you have the North, and they're there gathered, waiting, and the army of the dead is bearing down on them. And Millicent comes out of nowhere, and she, you know, she casts a spell from the Lord of Light, and the Dothraki get their blades um, imbued with fire, right? And it's a very good visual. And the next visual that we see after that is even better because you see it from you see the battlefield from the bird's eye view, and all of the Dothraki they charge toward the army of the dead, which we still haven't seen. And all you see are the 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 little specks of flame from this bird's eye view. And as they encounter the the army of the dead, those flames start to flicker out. And eventually they're all gone. And it, it is a stunning visual, right? It it just informs you of how how in the world are these guys gonna beat this this huge army. Um I gotta say the episode was a little underwhelming at that point. Um and again, you get to see Daenerys in her irrational, emotional state. Because once she sees the, Thra- the, the Thraki just essentially wiped out, um, they had a specific plan where Bran was supposed to be the bait for the Night King. And they were going to use the dragons to, to kind of destroy the, the Night King. There was a plan set up to do this. And once she saw that, her emotions got the best of her. And she said, screw this. I'm jumping on my dragon and I'm doing my thing and I'm just burning everybody which is going to be something that, again, we're going to see later on. Uh, her emotional state taking the better the better of her and stuff. So the battle goes on, and, you know, our, our heroes are placed in mortal danger, but really, truly, none of them die. Um, the biggest deaths that we get, truly, is Jorah Mormont, and he's doing it in, in the service of protecting Daenerys, and then we get the other death of Theon, who's protecting Bran from the Night King. Um, other than that, everybody gets put into very, very impossible positions, but nobody dies, which is a little disappointing because Game of Thrones is known for their big deaths, right? And if there was one to be had, it was going to be this episode, Um even Sam, who Sam Sam Tarly should have died like probably 20 times in that episode, he finds a way to survive. And so the very end, um, Viserion gets killed. And, and the reason why is that Arya Stark is now the hero of Winterfell. And again, a little disappointing because we have just seen Daenerys face off with the Night King with Drogon, and she she does her Dracarys, right? Intending to burn the Night King, and it does nothing to him, right? So later on, true to form, um, the Night King goes after Bran because Bran is imbued with all the knowledge of human history in, in this series. And so in the mind of the Night King, if you extinguish Bran, you extinguish humanity and you extinguish, you know, the memories of, of all that stuff. And then it's just an easy thing where you're just going to pick off every man, woman, and child going forward. Um, so that goes to plan. Theon bravely gets his, you know, um, he, he tries his best to save Bran. And of course, it's going to be futile because you're dealing with the Night King here. And the Night King faces up with Bran and they have a, they have a little face-off showdown. You know, Bran is just checking him out and stuff like that. And again, you know, I, I kind of get it, but it, it's a little disappointing because Arya manages to sneak past the entire White Walker army and does an Air Jordan on the Night King jumps on him, drops the knife, stabs him. And of course, once you stab the Night King, then the army of the dead is is null and void because then at that point, they all break into pieces, uh, including Viserion, the ice dragon. Uh, 
And so the White Walker threat is over. And over in a, in a very unsatisfying way because we've built up over seven seasons the threat of the White Walkers and we get one battle and they're done. And so, no, um, it, it, it's an interesting choice that the showrunners made. Um, it was a visually impressive battle, at least the parts that we did see. But ultimately, it, it was um, very unsatisfying and underwhelming, especially given that the White Walkers were the big thing since season one. So this now brings us to the next episode, The Last of the Starks. And the first scene is you see directly the aftermath of the Battle of Winterfeld, where um, our heroes are saying goodbye to the ones that were lost. Um, they're, they're burning them on funeral, funeral pyres. And then we have another scene where our characters are together. And again, remember, like I said before, Game of Thrones is best when it's dealing with characters, right? And so they're reveling in the dining hall. Um, and you have at the head of the, the, the main table, it's Sansa, it's Jon, it's Daenerys, and it's, I believe Arya is not there. She's out because, you know, that's what Arya does. And so Gendry, out of nowhere, he gets up looking for Arya, and Daenerys stops him and says, hey, guess what? You are the last of the Baratheons, aren't you? Um, and so everybody looks on because she thinks that she's going to go Mad Queen and probably kill him because he is a threat to the Iron Throne. But what she does is something interesting and something that she mentions to Tyrion afterwards. She gives him lordship of Storm's End, which was Baratheon's former estate, whatever you want to call it and stuff, castle and stuff. And so she goes to Tyrion and she says, see, I'm not the only one who's clever because Tyrion says, hey, what you've just done is you made somebody your ally by, you know, giving him something that was totally unexpected. He's a lord now. And he, and he even mentioned, he was like, I'm Baratheon's bastard son. And she's like, no, in my eyes, you're Baratheon's heir and you deserve storm and storm's end. So that makes everybody happy. But then the revelry continues and, Daenerys is increasingly isolated by herself while John, John is getting acclaim from all of his friends and allies. You know, there's a part where Tormund says, you know what, this guy is riding, riding dragons, going into battle. He's been dead. He's been brought back. If that's not a king, then what is? And she hears that this clearly upsets her. And so, you know, she gets up and she walks out. Varys sees this and, you know, being who Varys is, he knows something's up. So he uh, walks out with her. Now, again, Daenerys pleads with John. She's like, dude, please don't tell anybody. Don't say anything. You know, uh, let's keep it a secret. You don't tell anybody. And she, they get into the battle plan, and she wants to ca attack King's Landing immediately. And, of course, Ty Tyrion is is telling her, calm down, calm down. We're, we're, we'll get there, but just calm down. Um, and we got to the scene where John, despite all the pleading from Daenerys, uh, he goes and he meets with Sansa, he meets with Arya, he meets with Bran, and he's like, I got a secret. And so... John being the uh, oblivious guy, John being, you know, the fool, you know, you know nothing, John. He goes out and tells them, and he swears to them. He was like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And um, you, clearly, you know that that's, that secret, that promise is going to be broken. So um, we have the goodbye scenes, which, you know, again, it's a little weird because Tormund decides to take all the free folk and leave. And, you know, not for nothing, but I would have tend to th have thought that John would probably have asked him to stay. He was like, hey, dude, you know, um, we just fought a big battle. Yes, I know. I know it's up. But, you know, as a friend, can you come down to help me with um, the, the crazy one down in the south? 
that conversation never happens. And so, as a matter of fact, he he tells Tormund, "Take Ghost, my direwolf," um, and you know, it's like, okay, dog, go with them. So it's a little weird. He does say goodbye to Sam as well, and he's off to King's Landing. So Daenerys and her fleet sets for King's Landing. John and the army sets for King's Landing. On the way over there, Euron Greyjoy with his his fleet, they ambush and kill Rhaegal, the dragon, with three of those big-ass arrows. Um, so that's another thing that sets back Daenerys. And they finally do get to King's Landing. And... Circe is obviously waiting for them. Um, there are some other people that leave for King's Landing. Uh, Arya and the Hound, Sandor Clegan. Um, they head for King's Landing separately. You know, they have their own missions. Obviously, Sandor wants to kill Gregor, his brother, the, the mountain. And Arya has her list, and Cersei is right on top of it. And so Jamie. Um, after having a nice and sweaty time of it with Brienne, decides, you know what? I originally planned on staying. I, I originally planning on having a life with you, Brienne. I'm going back to King's Landing. I, I need to get back to Siri. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a very weird scene because... Um, first of all, Brienne is a, a, just a complete mess. You know, she's she's crying all over the place, which kind of betrays her character because we've known her to be this very strong-willed, very you know heroic character, and she's just reduced to crying at the feet of, of Jamie. Please don't go. Please don't go. So that was a little strange. And then Jamie leaving. Now, when when this happened in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Kingslayer, he's heading over to. King's Landing to take care of Siri once and for all, you know, for all the injustices, for all, for as evil as he knows her to be, he's finally taking that step to to make everything's right, make everything right. You know, he did it with the Mad King. He's gonna do it with Mad Siri. Um, we'll get to that in a bit. So we've got everything set up, and then we finally get to King's Landing. Daenerys is the first one to get there. And so she's got her unsullied, and she's got everybody in the front, and you know she's facing off with um, Cersei at the gates of King's Landing. Tyrion walks out, and he the, the two hands meet, him and Kyburn. And Kyburn gives him a load of crap, and then Tyrion was like, you know what, forget you, I'm just going to talk to Ciri herself. So he walks over there, there's a tense moment where you think Ciri's going to shoot him down. She doesn't, she listens to what he has to say, um, and then, you know, he goes on his spiel about, listen, you know, if you're not going to do, if you're not going to surrender, you're going to lose this fight. There's no doubt about it. Surrender now while you still have a chance. Think of the people in the city. Think of your unborn child. Siri, Siri has none of it. And you know, just to track back, I'm sorry. Um, there was a, the when Euron, you know, um, ambushed uh, the fleet. Missande was captured. Now Missande is kind of like the spokesperson for. Um, Daenerys, and they, they've 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 become good friends over the course of the the series. You know, she she leans on her. She's like I said, she's her her voice. She's her spokespiece and stuff. So Daenerys is is has lost this, and so has Grey Worm, and they're both there, and they see Missande right next to Siri, who, and you also have the mountain behind her. So just to set up the scene. Tyrion is talking to Ciri. Ciri's having none of it. And she basically says, either you surrender or I'm going to kill Masande right now. Of course, they're not going to surrender. So um, Ciri goes to Masande and says, please, you know, if you have something to say, you know, this is the time, basically. You know, what are your last words? Masande, in a completely baller um, moment, looks out upon the field and she very quietly says Dracaris. And at that point, the mountain cuts her head off. Um, 
an upsetting scene, no doubt, because, you know, Misande was one of the few people um, that was there for Daenerys from the start. And it was just a, a very bad way to go. Danny, however, takes a look at this and you see the rage just seething and, and, and dripping from every pore of her body. And she walks away and we know what's going to happen next. And that brings us to episode five, The Bells. One thing I did forget about episode four, which was pretty, pretty important. As Tyrion was leaving Winterfell, she had a he had a conversation with Sansa, and basically what he was saying is, you know what? Stop antagonizing your queen. You gotta you gotta learn to work together. Um, she's thinking that John's gonna come back to the north. He thinks that uh, John will stay down in the south. He doesn't know what's going on until Sansa says something, and you know what? I, I see Sansa kind of channeling a little bit of Littlefinger in there because she knows how important information is just from her time with being with Little, Littlefinger. And she uses it and weaponizes it and tells Tyrion. And Tyrion's caught aback because he's like, what? So we move into the fifth episode. And Tyrion, of course, tells Varys. Varys has been one of the characters throughout this series where his intentions has always ever been getting the right ruler on the throne. And so the conversation then leads to maybe Danny isn't the one to lead us going forward. Maybe it's John. He's increasingly concerned with um, Daenerys's state of mind. Um, and he's got full you know, he's got well reason to because Daenerys is kind of losing it. Now, this is one of the criticisms that I have of the show, especially this season. And I think um, with Game of Thrones, it would have been better served if these seasons were a little bit longer because you would have had some of these intentions fleshed out. But let me get through the whole entire episode and then we'll talk about everything else. So he tells, he tells Varys, Varys knows, um, Varys is now writing little letters about the secret and where where these letters are going, it's not known. And there is a scene where a little girl named Martha comes in to meet to see him, and they're talking about supper. And it's very, very strongly implied that Varys is looking to poison Daenerys. Because there is some back and forth between her and Varys, Martha and Varys, where she says, you know what? She's refusing to eat. Uh, we'll try again at supper. The soldiers are watching us. Hey, you should know that they should be because that's what they're there to do. Remember, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. So the implication is, is that he's going to try and poison Daenerys because he believes that Daenerys is losing it a little bit. Um, <clears throat> we continue on the episode where everybody's getting ready. There's a, there's a scene where she's talking about taking King's Landing and Tyrion is pleading with her. Listen, if they surrender, take the surrender, take the win, let it go. Don't do anything less. Um, you know, she's, she's truly unhinged. There's, there's the point where, uh, he goes and speaks to her about Varys and his betrayal she looks disheveled. She looks wrought. And you got to think about it this way. A lot has happened to Daenerys in this in this season. You know, you had the reveal where she is no longer the rightful heir. Um, she lost the, the, the Dothraki army, something that she's, she's always been very close to. She lost Missandei. She lost two of her dragons. Um, you have the sense where she is not loved in West, Westeros. She even mentioned that she was like, you know what? Nobody loves me here. I'm going to have to lead by fear. And so you have these little nuggets all over the place where she's increasingly losing it. But the thing is, there is only one scene where you can visually see it. Everything that we've been told about her at this point has been through the words of Varys and 
Tyrion. They're the ones that are concerned that are concerned for her well well her state of mind. They're the ones that are thinking, especially Varys. They're the he's the one that's thinking that maybe Daenerys is not the one to lead us. Maybe she's not the one that we the person that we thought she was. Because in the quiet moments, Danny is very heroic. But when she loses control, that's when the Targaryenness of her comes out. That's when she wants to burn the world. And you know what? I have to I have to fault the writers of the show for this because for so long when she had those moments they build it as as being heroic. They build it as Danny being the one to save everybody, but you look at the atrocity some of the atrocities that she's done. She crucifies 163 masters of marine whether they were at fault or not. And as a matter of fact, the show made a point to show one of the sons of the persons that she killed. And he was like, you know what? I don't understand why you did it. My son, my father was innocent. If anything, he was against slavery. She killed the Tarleys after they surrender, surrendered and refused to bend the knee to her. And again, Tyrion was like, you know what? You've won the fight. Put him in jail if you have to. You don't have to kill him. And she didn't listen to them, to him. You know, she burned all the cows of the the Dothraki when they were they were. So she has that mean streak in her when she becomes unhinged. I would have liked to have seen more episodes which flesh that out because the turn that happens shortly soon, which we're going to discuss, makes a little bit more sense, even though it still doesn't make sense, but whatever. They could have, they had the opportunity to make her seem more unhinged than what she was instead of exposition from Varys and Tyrion telling us how unhinged she was becoming. We only got one scene of it. And to me, that wasn't enough. But going forward, we finally get to King's Landing. Um, Daenerys is on Drogo, and she just utterly obliterates um, Euron Grey, Greyjoy's fleet. Um, and then she goes to King's Landing and takes out all the scorpions that were meant to kill Drogo. So the battle begins. and Oh, and the other thing is that she takes out the Golden Army completely with uh, with um, a Drogon blast. And so the battle the battle starts but basically the battle is over before it begins. And this this recap of this episode is really really quick because basically what happens is at this point um Tyrion had mentioned to to her that if the city falls you'll see them turn on Cersei very quickly. And that's exactly what happened. Tyrion was on point. They rang the bells. They opened the gates. And there's a point where Jon Snow and his army walks into King's Landing and faces right right there with Cersei's army. And Cersei's army, all the soldiers, throw their their swords down. And it's clear that they're not willing to fight for Cersei, not even willing to die for her. And so she's won the battle. And it's clear that she's won the battle. And Cersei knows it also, but she's fighting against it. And finally, Kyburn decides, you know what? We've got to go. The battle is lost. The city is lost. you got to get out of Dodge. Daenerys has won her war. She won the the big war and she won the last war. It's not good enough for Danny because what she does is she sits there for a moment and she contemplates the fact that she's won. And instead of just accepting the defeat, the rage again builds in her face. And for reasons that are not clear to us, and again, this is one of the reasons why I fought the writers because they should have fleshed this out a little bit more. She just decides to go bananas and starts destroying the city street by street. Now, at this point, 
what would have made sense was for her to fly to the Red Keep and destroy that. But no, she goes the nuclear option. She destroys everything. And I mean everything. The city is raised by the end of this, the episode. And millions of people die. So, now I had mentioned that I was divided on how to look at the Bells episode. And, and this is going to be the reason why. And I'm going to go basically character by character and try and figure out what it is that that drives me nuts about this. But um, let's talk about Sandor Clegane the Hound, right? And quite honestly, this is probably the best part of the episode because there's a point where he reaches the Red Keep and um, both him and Arya there and he convinces Arya to leave. He says, you know what? There's no point in you killing Cersei. At the end of the day, she's probably going to die anyway. Why die along with her? And Arya says yes. We'll get to that in a minute. So shortly after that, we see Kyburn, we see Cersei, and we see the mountain. And they're trying to escape. And then... Um, it's it's on a stairway going down. And like I said, this is one of the most visually stunning uh, set pieces in the episode. The mountain knows what's up. The hound knows what's up. They're, they're about to throw it on. Kyburn says, stop, listen to your queen. You're here to protect them. The mountain has none of that and kills them on the spot. Cersei slinks away like the snake that she is, and then you have the fight, and the fight was amazing. Um, and listen, the, the mountain is a beast, and you know, at some point, uh, the hound smacks his helmet away and reveals that he's actually Anakin Skywalker. Um, but the fight, he's totally disfigured, just like Anakin was, but. The fight continues, uh, you know, and of course the mountain has to try and, you know, push his his eyes in. But eventually what happens is, is that uh, the hound realizes that he's going to, he knew he was going to die anyway. But he charges after the mountain. They go through the wall and they fall to their deaths into a fiery pit, which again is kind of poetic considering that Gregor was the one that caused the Hound his disfigurement by holding his face to the fire. It was only appropriate that the Hound returned the favor and killed him in a fiery pit. Um, so you had that. Going back to Aryan, and this is one of the things that, uh, that drives me nuts about this episode and this season in general. Arya has been billed as this ruthless killing machine, and she does it well. She goes around killing people. She has her list. She's killing people indiscriminately. And, and you know, she's she's ticking off those check marks. You know, got this guy done. Got this guy done. Uh, <laughs> Sandor d completely convinces her to just abandon her quest. First of all, he had at least two opportunities while they were still in Winterfell to do so. Why wait until... They're in King's Landing to do it. And the other thing is, why was Arya so quick to abandon that quest? I mean, Cersei has been the cause of all of the pain in her family. And because Sandor says, hey, go live a life, she just decides to drop it. I mean, you know, it, it goes against the character that we know she is. And again, maybe you kind of saw a little bit of that. The last time she killed the Night King and she got no pleasure out of it. But with a couple more episodes, maybe you make these last two seasons a little bit longer to get to that point. It just, it seems like everything in the season has been rushed. So you know what? Arya kills the Night King, didn't like it, goes to kill Ciri, says, you know what? Not worth it. I'm leaving. It doesn't make sense. So those are those are one of the things that I have a problem with. Um, Jon Snow really didn't have much to do in this episode except uh, except look Jon Snowish every time something happened. And you know his best lines were the lines that he didn't say at all. Like for example, the look that he gave Daenerys after she killed Varys. Um, the look of horror when he's on the ground in 
King's Landing and just sees the utter destruction that's being leveled on the city by Danny and her dragon. And and the thing about it is that she doesn't even care who's down there. She's just going block by block. If it's her army, if it's you know the other army, if it's, it's civilians, and the look of horror on his face. And there's a point where he says, you know what? Stop fighting. Stop fighting. And he can't because, you know, after they surrendered and then she went and did all of that, you know, you started, the the fight was on. And for Cersei's army, it wasn't fighting for Cersei. It was fighting for survival. And so with Jon Snow there, basically, like I said, he really didn't do anything except give these crazy looks and stuff. Um, It's a shame because the character is... Is, should be so much more than what it is right now. Tyrion, again, was trying to stop Daenerys from making these crazy mistakes. Um, that didn't go well. Varys had his unfortunate death at the very beginning of the episode when he was outed by Tyrion um, for betraying Danny. And, and so these are major characters that should have more of a say in, in this, and hopefully they will in the last episode. But... It seems like they're being pushed aside. And you know what? I guess you can say that the focus should have been on Danny and her craziness in this episode. But it just felt like they were characters that were just wasted away. Arya spent most of her time trying to run out of the city. Um, John, the same thing. Tyrion was on the outside just watching the destruction. So you had all of that. Now, we're going to go now to probably the biggest characters in this episode and that was Jamie Cersei and Danny. Jamie gets to King's Landing, tries to get in the right way, couldn't do it, so he ends up sneaking away through the the secret entrance that Tyrion had told him the episode before and he meets up with Euron Greyjoy and they have a fight and you know uh eventually He's mortally wounded, but he ends up killing Euron on the way. So he's making his way into the Red Keep. And at this point, Cersei is alone and everything is crumbling around them. And they finally meet up and she has this moment of weakness where she's just in a complete mess. And she's saying, oh, I want to live. I want to live. My baby needs to live and all this other stuff. And Jamie falls for it or maybe that was his plan the entire time and again it doesn't make sense because he knows this relationship has always been toxic from the beginning and he runs back to it and like i said before i thought he was going to take the role of a kingslayer if anything he was trying to get her out of there and save her and so it, it just felt so weird. And you actually made Cersei at that point a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She was a sympathetic character at that point, which is something that should never have happened with Cersei. Cersei did not deserve that type of emotion that the showrunners were trying to give. They tried to make her human. They tried to make her a mom who was just trying to save her kid. It, it it made no sense whatsoever. I mean, you know, the episode wanted to humanize her. She doesn't need that. She is the evil villain of this whole show. She's been the one that's been the, the little mechanism behind every bad thing that happened in Game of Thrones. To do that was a disservice to the fans. To do that was a disservice to the character. Uh, it just, it didn't make any sense. And so the end scene between the two, Jamie and Cersei, was they were in the Red Keep. They ended up going back down. And by the time that they got down there, all the exits were blocked. And kind of, I guess, in, in a poetic justice type of way, the whole, the whole, you know, the entire building fell on top of them. Um I, I don't know if this is the way I wanted to see Cersei go, but there it is. And finally, that leaves us with Danny, who by the end of the episode, she is full on Mad Queen. 
Um, again, you know, we don't have a reason as to why she decided that King's Landing was no longer in her plans and why she decided instead of going after the Red Keep to try and kill Cersei, instead let's kill millions of people just because. Now, you can make the argument that um, she knows that she's not going to gain the love of the people. And so rather than do that, let me give you an example of what it is to defy my rule. But in doing so, it betrays everything that she's worked hard to, to be. She is supposed to be the breaker of change. She's the one that's supposed to release Westeros of the tyrant that is the Lannister rule. And she does the exact same thing, maybe even worse than what Siri would have done. Now, again, like I said, there were hints dropped in previous seasons um, where you can see how Daenerys could become the Mad Queen. Like I said, there was the point where Khal Drogo gave the golden crown to Viserys, um, and she felt no emotion there. Again, talking back to the crucifixion of the 163 Masters of Marine, without any justification other than, you know what, somebody had to pay. Um, the killing of the Darley, the Tarleys, the mass burning of the Dothraki Khals, um, going back to Marine and wanting to raise the cities that were attacking them, uh, which Tyrion, I might add, had to talk her out of it. And then the battle for King's Landing where she was just going to go in and destroy everything initially. And Tyrion said, please, please, if they ring the bells, if they open the gates, let them live. You know, you've won the battle at that point. Just take the win and 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 sit on the throne and everybody will be happy. You know, you, you've had all these instances where you can see where Danny was going to go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? But, and again, you've had all the betrayals in this season. Again, where John betrayed her trust by telling Sansa, Sansa betraying both of them by telling Tyrion, Tyrion going and telling Varys, Varys scheming, sending out these letters to who knows where, and it looks like trying to poison the queen. You've had the setbacks that she had where she's lost entire portions of her army, um, where she lost two out of her three dragons, where these dragons before were supposed to be invincible. She lost two of them. There's all these sets. She lost her best friend in Jorah Mormont. She lost Masande, another person that was close to her. So she's had all these setbacks. So if you talk about it, then it makes sense. But we were never shown that. And that's why I say these episodes, these last two years, last two years and a half for season seven and season eight, the seasons were way too short. It would have benefited if you had more time with these characters, more time understanding where they were going to be at the very end. And that's not what happened. If anything, the showrunners, Benioff and Weiss, were the ones that chose to shorten these seasons. HBO actually wanted to go longer. George R.R. R. Martin thought it would benefit the show to go longer. They were against it from the beginning. They did not want to invest the time to go past 13 episodes as opposed to holding to the 20 episodes, 10 and 10, that we were accustomed to. Um, so it's it's a very interesting call why the showrunners did that. I'm not sure why. I can speculate. Maybe they wanted to start, start on the Star Wars franchise as soon as possible. Hey, you're never going to know. But it's clear that Game of Thrones suffered because of these shortened seasons. And so Danny going full Mad Queen, while you can see in theory that this would have happened eventually, we really didn't see it until the very end. And that's why it was so distracting and so shocking when it did happen. And again, there was no real good reason to do what she did. 
it was just one of those things that, you know what, we needed to get her to be the Mad Queen. This is how we're going to do it. So now heading into the final episode of Game of Thrones, the series finale coming up this Sunday, um, we're left with a lot of questions. Where do we go from here? Um, clearly something has to be done about Danny because she's completely unhinged. She just murdered a million innocent people for no clear reason. Um, Arya is on her way back after witnessing the destruction firsthand. John is probably questioning whether Danny is worth being on the throne, and I'm pretty sure Tyrion is also. Sansa probably hearing about this. It'll be interesting what her reaction will be to this. Um, but it's all setting up for a series finale that's very, very unclear where it's going to go. Um, and again, I feel like it's going to be rushed through because we're only going to get about an hour and a half of this to clear up a ton of questions on what's going to happen with the with the Iron Throne. I have some theories. Um, some of them are pretty easy and some of them are pretty far-fetched. I can't see a scenario where Daenerys stays uh, Queen of Westeros. I, I mean, I think... This episode pretty much cemented the fact that that's not going to happen. The easy way out is having John ascend to that throne. That, to me, is the lazy way out because we've been building this hero's journey for him. And if that's the case, then to me, that seems to be an unsatisfying ending. Um, Daenerys has to die. And my my gut feeling is that it's going to be either at the hand of John or Arya, which would make sense because they both have a bone to pick with her. Um, John, not so much, but I think his heroic, honorable goodness about him will say, you know what, you need to go. So with Daenerys out of the picture, who ascends to the Iron Throne? Um, to me, like I said, John seems to be the lazy way to go. The more palpable, the more realistic scenario is that Sansa becomes, you know, the queen of Westeros. She is playing that role right now in uh, Winterfell, and she does it pretty well. I don't see Arya doing it because... You know, she hasn't shown that inclination to lead. I can kind of see Bran, and I know this is where we're going to get into a little craziness here, but I can see Bran ascending to that just because of all the knowledge that he has. And he's very one note, so you know that emotion is not going to be a thing that plays negatively in his ruling. So I can see a scenario of that. Now, Here's one that maybe might blow your mind, and it may not even happen, but there's a thought that if John is out of the picture and Danny is out of the picture, the next person in line truly would be Gendry because he is a Baratheon and he's been made a Baratheon by Danny herself. So there is, and, and the other thing is that there is an emphasis on Gendry in this season, more so than any of the other seasons. Um, we see him more, and especially with him and Arya. I, I can see a scenario, albeit it's very slim, but I can see a scenario where Gendry and Arya are the leaders of Westeros. Um, probably not likely, but it is there. I'm... I just don't know where this thing goes. Uh, episode six is such a wild card for me. Now, it's interesting to note that um, actor Ian McKelney, who played Sir Barristan Selmy um, way back in some of the other seasons, he was one of the advisors to Dan Daenerys. Um, he was in Epicon in April, and he made a, a couple of interesting comments. He said that books six and seven were completed already by George R.R. R. Martin, who is the creator of Game of Thrones, and that an agreement had been struck between the showrunners Benioff and Weiss and HBO um, with him not to publish them until the series was over. Now, he's been on social media, George R.R. R. Martin, 
since disputing the claim. But the, the thing about it is that easily the last two seasons have been the weakest of Game of Thrones. And ironically, those last two seasons are the books that he's writing currently. So the, the, the seasons beforehand, there was source material that these guys can look at and see. And those were very strong um, seasons. The two that have does not have that source material has been arguably less than. Now, you got to understand this. They've they've spoken to George R. R. Martin. He has been a consultant to the series from the get-go. So, in my mind, while the show has deviated from the books in certain ways, I think there had to have been some discussions um, on how this thing was going to end because I can't imagine a scenario where um, the showrunners said, you know what, we're not going to listen to you. We're not going to get your feedback. We don't want to hear where you got. You are ending your books. We're just going to do our own thing. You do our own thing. There had to have been some collaboration. So I'm assuming that while there are going to be differences, for the most part, I think the books and the show will end pretty close to each other in the same fashion where it's going to be different and again i hate to belabor the point the books are going to take their time to get there these guys rushed through it these guys saw the finish line and they were like let's get there as quickly as possible and i hate to say it but the show has suffered for it it's not to say that the show has been horrific. The show has been bad because like I said, some of these episodes have been really well shot. And if you take it for what it is just a show, then you know what? There is, there is merit to that. But the fact that this is leading and taking inspiration from books that are so well written and there are rabid fans of game of Thrones you did a disservice. You really did. You know, you should have taken your time to get there. I think the character arcs would have been better for it. At the very least, when she became the Mad Queen, we would understand why instead of having somebody trying to explain it to him, explain it to us. And then when it does happen, it falls flat. So we're going to wrap this quick slice episode up. Um, I know we went a little overly long. I didn't think it was going to take this long, but given the fact that there's so much stuff going on in Game of Thrones in this season eight, um, there was a lot to unpack. There was a lot to discuss. There's stuff that I still probably when I stop recording, I'm going to be like, oh man, I should have mentioned that. Oh, I should have talked about this because it's dense. Game of Thrones has always been dense. You always had to have a scorecard in order to watch it properly because a lot of things are happening all at the same time. And you have all these storylines that are converging into one. We finally got to convergence. And in my mind, um, while it's not a train wreck, it's a slight derailment because we're not getting what we thought we were going to get. And I, I, I hate to say it. I really, really do. But I... I'm, there's there's a part of me that thinks that this series finale is going to be a bit of disappointment. Now, listen, a lot of shows have a lot of uh, a difficult time sticking the landing when it comes to ending a series. Um, Lost was one of them. Uh, you know, you can make the argument The Sopranos was one of them. It's, it's very difficult to end the show. I get it. But you had a chance to do it here. If you had extended it a little bit, if you took your time with it a little bit, and I think that ultimately is going to be the thing that really, really is frustrating. And I hope I'm wrong on Sunday night. I really do because I've been through this ride um, for Game of Thrones for now. What is it? Eight years? Nine years now? Um, and so, you know, you want to see a satisfying ending, but unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get it, guys. But like I said, I've been wrong plenty times before. I might be wrong again. So anyway, that's going to conclude this quick slice. I thank you so much for listening um, to me rant on about this stuff. You know, 
I tried to give you as much information as possible. And, you know, it was kind of tough because there's so much. But again, thank you for being on this journey with me. And we'll see what happens on Sunday. Hopefully, it's a satisfying ending. We'll see who wins the, the Iron Throne. Maybe they throw away the Iron Throne at this point. Who the hell knows? Anyway, so um, just remember to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. We've got some interesting content there. And we also have a YouTube channel. So we throw up some random trailers here every once in a while. So if you're into that, check us out there. Um, and just remember, subscribe, rate, and review. Let us know what you're thinking. Tell all your friends. So until our next episode, may the force be with you. Later, peeps. <laughs>